For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Sixteen-year-old Pamela Lynn Conyers was last seen on the night of October 16, 1970, at the Haywindale Mall in Glen Burnie, Maryland. She was at the mall to buy shoe polish for a school dance. Prior to her visit to the mall, she attended the Glen Burnie High School's homecoming bonfire and pep rally. Around 8.30 p.m., she was putting the final touches on her outfit for the dance and needed shoe polish. She asked her mom for $5 and the keys to the family's 1967 Dodge Monaco and headed to the Hayrendell Mall near her Twin Ridge drive home. Four days later, a man walking through the woods found the family's car. Police found Pam's body nearby in a wooded area between the eastbound and westbound lanes of Maryland 177 presently known as Route 100, near the Waterford Road and Route 648 overpass. At the time her body was discovered, that section of the road was closed for construction. She was found on her side, wearing pants and an inside-out pullover sweater. She had been sexually assaulted. Her purse and underwear were missing and have never been found. Something to also note is that some reported that her car had been swept clean of fingerprints. Hey guys, welcome back to Foul Play. Today I'm joined with Gemma and we have another special guest. This time it is Ingrid. And we will explain to you in a minute who Ingrid is and how she relates to the case. But Gemma, first I wanted you to explain to us six of the possible victims that might be related to Kathy's case. Hi everybody, it's so good to be back here with Shane again. And I'm actually going to tell you Ingrid's last name because this might ring a bell to you. Ingrid's last name used to be Conyers. So she is the niece of one of the victims, Pam Conyers, who was murdered in the same area as several other cases. And when Abby Schaub and I visited Officer Corporal Robin Teal after the Keepers was released, she shared with us that the police department does think that these six cases could be related. So I'm going to remind you of the cases. You might want to write some of this down. I'm going to also give you the years. 
because that will give you a better concept of the big picture and where the bodies were found. So Kathy Sesnick disappeared in November of 69, and her body was found on Monumental Avenue in Hailthorpe, which is near, not far from Lansdowne, in January of 70. The next victim was Joyce Malecki, and she grew up in Hailthorpe near St. Clement's Church, where, remember, Joseph Maskell was assigned. And Joyce disappeared a couple days after Kathy, and her body was found also in November of 69 on the Fort Meade Army Base. So the FBI was responsible for that homicide. The next one that we have is October of 1971, and that was the aunt of our guest today. That victim was Pam Conyers, and her niece Ingrid is going to tell us more about that case. And I have some information about the case that perhaps Ingrid's family doesn't have, so I'll share that after she talks. The next one after that was Danny Crochetti, who lived and hung out with his friends in the Our Lady of Victory Parish. And his body was found off of Wilkins Avenue behind that church. Maspel was also assigned there. And that was not really very far from where Sister Kathy and Russell were living and not real far from Keogh. And that was in March of 1975. The last one that we know about that the police think may possibly be connected is Heather Porter. And that case was later. That was September of 1982. Heather lived in Lansdowne. And I've talked to her best friend who saw her the night that she disappeared. And she believes that Heather was hitchhiking and whoever picked her up or grabbed her off the street murdered her. And her body was found all the way around the Baltimore Beltway on the north side in an area called Timonium, also very close to Towson. So those are the six that, for one reason or another, the police think may be connected. None of those have been solved. None of them. So today we're going to turn it over to Ingrid and... Ingrid, welcome to the program, and we're just going to let you take over and tell us what you remember about Pam and anything that your family knows about the case. Yes, thank you so much for talking to me about this. I'm really excited to learn anything else about the case. So my name at birth was Hallie Conyers, and my dad is William Christopher Conyers, goes by Chris, and he is Pam's younger brother. I believe she was three or four years older than him. I don't think I learned that my dad had a sister until, you know, I kind of found out at some point. I think I was maybe seven or eight because it was something we really didn't talk about. My dad also had a younger brother and we were in communication. We visited families and stuff and we never really talked about him. So initially all I knew was that my dad had a sister who was, murdered, I think is what they told me first. And then kind of as I got older and got interested and we talked about, uh, I'd have questions about the case and they they just really didn't know anything. They didn't want to talk about it. So I think in the early 2000s, I remember my 
dad was contacted by somebody about a DNA, I think exhuming Pam's body for a DNA, some kind of DNA test, and his mother, Karen, Pam's mother, I think denied the request. And that was the last thing that I heard about it for a long time. So I heard that this case was potentially related to the Keeper's documentary back when that came out and started to kind of look at what that connection might be and just find out if there was any new information since the early 2000s. So I've kind of read up on a bunch of stuff and chatted with my dad and he doesn't really know anything new, but hopefully you guys will get to talk to him and and find out what he actually does know. I have just a couple of questions for you. The first one is, how did you come across our podcast? You actually reached out to us because you heard us talk about Pam and that you wanted to mention that you were related to her. Yeah, I am kind of involved in like the true crime community, I guess, true crime podcast community. And so your podcast was mentioned as something people would enjoy if they like the keepers. And I, so you were in my list and then I actually searched for Pam's name in Apple because you can search by um, audio now. So I searched for her name and your podcast popped up. That's really cool. How did you learn that Pam could have a connection to the Keepers? So I believe it was when the Keepers was had just been released or was just about to be released. Because I found out later that my family had been contacted about it, my grandparents, and they said no again. But in one of the articles or blog posts I read, mm-hmm. I came, I, it, Pam's name just popped up. Right. I might be able to help with that, Shane. Yeah. Okay. When our filmmakers were working on the keepers. We had a list of about 15 murders that had happened in this area over this period of time. And we went through them one by one and many were eliminated because they had been solved. Pam's was one that was still on the list with the other five that I mentioned. So it's very possible that Tripod Media, the producer's name was Jessica Lawson. She may have contacted your your uncle, no, your dad, My or your grandparents, right, to see if they would be interested in doing an interview. Mm-hmm. And the other ones that they contacted, except, well, we knew about the Malecki, so that story kind of goes hand in hand with Sister Kathy, but the others did the same thing. They, they talked to the Montagna family, Grace's family, and they opted to not be involved in the documentary, which is totally understanding. So that mm-hmm. might be the reason that they got in touch with your grandfather. Yeah, that makes sense. How old was your dad when Pam went missing initially and then ended up murdered? She would have been 11. She was 11 when she disappeared? No, my dad was 11. Okay, and she was four years older, is that correct? I think so, but I think she'd already turned 16. Okay. Have you ever been told anything about the conditions under which she disappeared or have you read much in the newspaper about the alleged story? Yeah. So my dad had the version that I heard growing up was that she was kidnapped from a mall. And that was always a big thing because my dad didn't like me hanging out at malls when I was a teenager. And that she was abducted and she was missing and then she was found and had been sexually assaulted and murdered. And then he, they always thought it was the Hells Angels or something like that. Why do you think your family thought that was what happened? 
I honestly have no idea. Mm-hmm. That was kind of the end of it, that it was just, you know, somebody that was passing through town and mm-hmm. there wasn't any more evidence or whatever. Mm-hmm. Do you know the Baltimore area? Are you familiar with the area where she lived or where she disappeared? No, not really. I was born in Baltimore, but we've moved to the West Coast when I was three. Okay. And I want to make sure our listeners understand that Ingrid is way too young to have been alive when her aunt went missing. But Ingrid, do you remember how much time went by between the night that she disappeared and when she was found? I don't know. I don't think so. Mm -mm. Yeah, we could look that up probably. Yeah. I want to say it was no more than like a couple days. Right. Okay. Well, I have some information that might be helpful for you. So this is nothing that's going to freak you out, Ingrid, but you and our listeners, when you listen to this podcast, you might want to get a map because I can tell everybody exactly where she was found. If they're looking at a map and you think of Baltimore as like a clock, I always think of the city in the center. If you think about the area that on a clock would be where the number nine is. Okay, and outside the clock, like going west. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's an area out there, and it's called Columbia, and there's also an area called Ellicott City, and those are both places that are in very close to or in Howard County. Where Pam was found was on the median strip, a grassy median strip, of the highway, which is now called Route 100. And Route 100 was built around the time that Pam disappeared because it was not open to the public at that time. So we're talking about a big highway, you know, a number of lanes going in each direction and a very wide median strip in the middle. And because Route 100 was not open at the time, for somebody to take her there or to drive her car there, they would probably have had to move some barriers. Or if they were law enforcement, I'm just, I'm not implying that, but I'm just saying that they would have had access to any road, a a police car. Her car was found on the grassy median strip. Her keys were there. Her body was outside the car on the grass. And Ingrid, I don't want to upset you, so just say halt if this gets too upsetting for you. No, I'm okay. So I think, I believe construction crews found her. Attention, friends. Are you ready to embark on a journey into the unknown this Mother's Day? Prepare to dive into the depths of your family's history with MyLifeInABook.com. Each week, MyLifeInABook.com sends intriguing questions, uncovering the thrilling tales of your mom's past, and then she can either type her response or use their voice-to-text feature. From daring escapes to nail-biting encounters, Her life becomes an epic adventure waiting to be explored. This Mother's Day, give the gift of excitement and intrigue with mylifeinabook.com. It's a thrilling ride through your mom's life 
that you won't want to miss. I gave this to my mom last year, and let's just say I didn't know my mom as well as I thought I did. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code SHANE at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com and use code SHANE for 10% off today. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The car was unlocked. I think her keys and her purse might have been near her body. I don't, but they were there somewhere. Now, I just learned in the last six months from Sharon Schmidt and our listeners will remember, and I don't know, Ingrid, if you know that Sharon Schmidt was the niece of Billy Schmidt who lived across the hall from Sister Kathy. And his name has been implicated in possibly being involved in Sister Kathy's murder. Now, in the years that Pam disappeared, Billy Schmidt's parents, their parent home, was, I'm going to use the phrase, as the crow flies, like mm-hmm. a straight line, was mm-hmm. one, one mile from where Pam was found. So if you put a dot where Pam was found, between the two north and south lanes of Route 100, and you drew a line going east for a mile, that's where the Schmidt parents were living. I'm not saying that's significant, but it was new information, and Sharon just found out her mom is up where they were living at the time. This was not the Monumental Road family house. This was a different house. So when she told me that, I got in touch with the Anne Arundel County Police Department, and I asked for whoever was handling Pam's case, and that person called me back, and very nice officer, it was a woman, and I shared the information with her, and she said they were aware of that. She said, I appreciate that. I also asked her, like a dummy, if she and Baltimore County cold case detectives you know, communicated with each other. And she said, yeah. And I said, so you're familiar with Robin Teal, who at that time, this was before Robin just retired, but this was probably almost a year ago, maybe. She said, yes, she communicates with Robin regularly. So that I was just relieved to know that Anne Arundel County 
was sharing information with Baltimore County about these six cases and vice versa. So I don't know if that means anything to your family, but uh, a mom is not far. It's walking distance. Yeah. But anyway, she thanked me and said, appreciate that. And yes, we will um, continue to, you know, look for answers. Do you have a contact at the Anne Arundel Police Department? I spoke to someone there a, couple, a few years ago, I mm-hmm. think. I'm pretty sure that what they said was that it's an open and like active investigation. Right, right. So they couldn't give me any. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and this is entirely up to you, but I can mm-hmm. backtrack and get that officer's name if you just want to have a contact there. Yeah. Um, I know that, that, that. Yeah, information only goes one way. I've learned that, right, Shane? Yeah. You know, I gave information to them, but there's nothing they can tell me. But at least it would give you a name that if you're, you and your dad, you know, wanted to reach out to them or get an update that you might have just a name that you could ask for. Yeah, that would be great. I would okay. Yeah. That information. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When we went in Baltimore, when Jim and I went around the area to look at the significant places, one of the things that we noticed was how close a home that uh, was important to Billy, that his grandmother had lived in, Mm -hmm. is right there next to where Kathy was found in the same area. Mm -hmm. So it's, again, interesting that he would, again, have a significant place near where Pam is found. Mm -hmm. What did Billy Schmidt do? I think he was an accountant. And he lived in the same building that Sister Kathy lived in, which is not close to where Pam was found. Mm -hmm. And... He lived across the hall, and I have had the opportunity to talk to two of the people that lived there at the same time. Not part of Kathy's family or Russell's family, but one lived upstairs from him, and the other lived directly above the sisters. And both of those women said that he was very kind, very nice, kept to himself, his stepson would play outside with their children and they would not have suspected him of any wrongdoing. They said it was usually very quiet around there. They were not aware of any parties that the nuns were having. You know, we've heard all kinds of things like nuns gone wild. But these women, one of them, the one that lived upstairs, she actually said she would consider doing a podcast with us. But she told me that she used to sit in the room that looked out on the parking lot where the nuns would park their car. And we have a PO colleague who remembers hearing yelling in the night and that was coming from that area. And this woman, she told me she never heard anything. Now, it was November, and it was probably 8 in the evening if, if it happened. She says she, you know, it was her like her sitting area. Not like she's spying on people, but like her rocker or something was by the window. She said she never heard anything. She did say that usually Billy parked on that parking lot as well. And because of the way the building was set up, Kathy would often go around to the back to go in. And Billy would go around to the front. Now, there are barriers there that you can't go all the way through the breezeway 
but there were none at the time. So he could have come around the front of the building and his apartment was on the front of the building and gone in his door and Kathy would go around the back and she would go down a couple steps because her apartment was on the basement floor. But she said everything was very quiet. He was very polite and nice. And we just don't know. I mean, you know, Sharon and her mom are very credible. And we know that he committed suicide and said that he was going to do it several times. Right, Shane? Isn't that what happened? Right. And they would get help. And then all of a sudden, they didn't believe him anymore. And he actually did it. So... Yeah. We just don't know. Just a couple of questions for you, Ingrid. The first one is, I know that you mentioned that you've done a lot of reading up on Pam's case, as well as information that you would have got from your family. So from what you read and from what you've heard from your family, what do you think played out? What do you think the events that led to Pam's death? I honestly have no idea. I feel like it could equally have been some creep down the street or... I mean, I, I'm kind of doubtful of the Hells Angels thing. I don't know where that came from. Or it could have been related to something bigger. I, yeah, I just have no idea. I feel like there's very little information right now. Where did she live? Do you know where her family lived? Anne, Arun- Anne Arundel. Okay. And I know the mall that she went to, it's not the same one that either Gay Montagna or Sister Kathy went to. Mm-hmm. But do you know if she lived near that mall? I don't know how close she lived to the mall, no. So if your dad wants to talk with us, he probably could give us that information. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So are you the only one in the family that really is intrigued and wants to figure this out, even after 50, well, not 50 years, but almost? Yeah, I mean, I don't know about my cousins. I don't think that I haven't talked to them. We're not really close. I haven't talked to them about it, so I don't know if any of them are potentially interested, but I'm, I feel like I would have run across them in, in the true crime or kind of associated Facebook groups and stuff by now. So as far as I know, yeah, the only one. My granddad is still alive. We're not really close. He lives over here on the West Coast now as well. I have never spoken with him about it. One thing that you might be interested in finding out if you talk to uh, law enforcement or anything mm-hmm. We know that whoever drove Kathy's car and whoever drove Joyce's car drove with both feet. So if you are able to talk to the police department, maybe that's a little piece that you can get out of them. But that's something to keep in mind. Because if you did find that out, then that would be very important, I feel like. Shane, can you explain that? Because a lot of people still don't understand what that means. Oh, I think I understand. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 It wasn't a manual car. So you wouldn't normally need to be. Right. Right. I also wanted to ask, was Pam or your family Catholic? No, they're Baptist. Oh, so is yeah. my family. They're Southern Baptist. <laughs> Southern Baptist. But Pam did a lot. Because I mentioned that when I talked to my dad, I mentioned that like, if I asked if he, she had any connection to Catholic Church. And he said that he thought that she had like a couple of friends that she would volunteer with at events to the Catholic Church. And that she was really involved in just like, church and like volunteering and stuff like that do you know what type of events those would have been i think it was like soup kitchen kind of deals i think he said like making sandwiches that's the only thing i can think of but i mean he probably remembers a lot better than i do (laughs) (laughs) Gemma, did you have any other questions for ingrid i do 
Go ahead. I read in the newspaper, and we can't, you know, always trust everything we hear, that Pam had gone to a bonfire that was like a pet rally for her school, and then after that went to a mall to get nail polish. I think she was, was she going to a, not a prom, a homecoming or? um, Yeah. Okay. It was. It was actually, I think it was shoe shot, shoe, shoe polish, shoe polish. polish, not nail polish. Exactly. Yeah, she was going to a. It was one of the normal like dances, like a home right. or a supper. Um, do you know what grade she was in? She was what sixteen, so she mm-hmm. was maybe what a junior. I think she was a. Yeah, I think she was a junior. And do we know what school? Mm, not off the top of my head, but I. Okay. I mean, I'm sure our listeners will find that like within the next three seconds. Um, <laughs> you know, we have, by the way, welcome to the tribe. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing was, do you know if she was ever involved in any kind of modeling? Because I've seen her picture. She is, have you seen that really super cute picture of her with the curly hair? Yeah. And she's just darling looking. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if she was ever involved in any kind of like teen modeling. Um, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. I have yeah, no idea. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's, that's how we think that Grace Montagna was targeted, that she showed up in the paper as part of a team modeling competition, and she was at a mall modeling in the, you know, the inside the mall. Yeah. That's why she was targeted <laughs> and then later picked up, because whoever picked her up told her that they could get her into some modeling competitions. So I don't know if that's something that maybe, you know, your dad might know more about. But I think the other thing is kind of significant that all six of these cases, I think, were in the fall of the years where they disappeared. They were either October or November. Uh, I'm sorry, Danny was March. But the others were either September, October, or November. The other thing that I don't know if this is significant or not, but that so many of the targeted victims of Joseph Maskell had beautiful red hair. And, you know, it's just something that they had in common. So we just don't know. But all these questions and ideas are out there. I feel like we just need to pull all the balloons in and start putting the pieces together. We would really like to help you with that if you would like us to try and find out more with you yeah absolutely i would just love to know whether somebody got justice already that's something my dad mentioned that it was, there mm-hmm. was a possibility there was someone who was it turned out was already convicted of another crime and mm-hmm. already, is mm-hmm. already in jail but it's not and it's as far as i know it's technically an open case i don't know i don't want to leave it leave it like forgotten without anybody mm-hmm. that would we, happen, you know, we understand that it doesn't, right. doesn't seem like anyone else really cares. Now, is there anybody else in your family, any siblings or cousins that are interested in pursuing this with you? Not that I know of, but I will reach out. I'm I'm Facebook friends with everyone at least, so mm-hmm. I can at least send a message. I know that my brother isn't isn't interested. Yeah, but that's, that's the only one I know for sure. Did you have any other questions, Gemma? Well, no, but I think if Ingrid would maybe ask for that if he would be willing to talk to us and then either does mm-hmm. he live on the west coast as well Ingrid my dad yeah my dad's on the mm-hmm. west coast as well. so 
if he's more comfortable doing it with you, we would love to have you back again and you and your dad can talk and then let Shane know if that's something that he would be willing to do. And again, like Shane said, you get the final okay on anything that gets released. So this is really your ball game. And I'm really grateful that you reached out. There's no coincidences, right, Shane? Right. And we really feel really blessed that you also are looking for justice for your aunt because she deserves that. Yeah, I really think so. I feel mm-hmm. I feel sad that she just kind of got forgotten for such a long time. Mm-hmm. Well, we're not going to forget her. Yeah. I did want to ask, just to end, I know that you clearly weren't born yet when Pam died but and your dad was only 11 Mm -hmm. but do you know about anything about Pam do you know what her personality was like was she like anything like that yeah well from what I've heard she was just really involved in like a lot of different things when I was in high school my dad said that I reminded him of her because I did sports singing and volunteering and clubs and like just hands in a lot of different groups and knew a lot of people and everybody really liked her. He remembered like she was like a popular kid and she was older. You know, he she was in high school, he was still in middle school, but she was still he got some of that like social status because she was still older and cool. I think she was a cheerleader. And she did a lot of like volunteering. I remember that's my dad said so she's really involved with volunteering with the church. Hmm. And my grandmother was quite religious when they were kids. So I don't know if that was with her um, and she did pass away when I was in high school so she's unfortunately I never really spoke with her about it but yeah I don't know if that was something we did together this might be a question we'd have to ask your dad but do you know how they found out like did she just not return home and they started wondering where she was yes and I think it they actually got kind of a call out earlier because there was that dance and there were people who were expecting her there you know her parents thought she didn't come home from the dance but then her friends are calling because where is she? Why doesn't she show up? Um, it was the same night. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She had yeah, a date? Do you know if she had a, a date? I don't know if she had a date. I asked my dad. I don't think, I think he said he didn't remember. But I know that now that I've asked him about it, he's probably thought about it more. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.